0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day two of computers in the classroom. Hello. You're fine. Who's going to the most exciting place for Labor Day? Is anybody doing anything exciting? I'm going to go to Manhattan, Kansas, and see UCLA play Kansas State, and have a family reunion. So that's kind of exciting. Really? Well, that's a good thing. Weddings are fun. Is there a um, a dinner and dance? and Okay, very good. Sounds very exciting. Anybody beat that? <laughs> All right, well, um, again, I'm, I'm really delighted to get to um, be here and be your instructor. You may have looked at our schedule and seen that there are going to be some times when I will not be here, and so we actually get three times together before um, I'm going to go to China for 10 days and be there for a, a conference, and we may... Uh, have an optional live event. Uh, a friend of mine, I was in, in uh, Hangzhou, which is uh, a small suburb of 13 million people, just outside of Shanghai, which is 23 million. And we were there at right around Halloween last year, and he actually taught his three-hour class over Skype uh, from there. So I uh, don't know how entertaining and engaging I can be you know, for an hour and a half over Skype. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk some more about that. For today, uh, if you have not already, you're going to want to go ahead and sign in on our Poll Everywhere attendance. You don't have to sign up with Poll Everywhere to do this. I've I've signed up and created the account. But on our website where we've got all of our links and everything, just underneath the place where it says for 1 September, we've got the the stuff for today. So uh, the first link there is for attendance. And... Um, By a show of hands, how many of you were able to eventually get on our blog and um, post something? Okay, how many were able to make a comment? Does anybody still need their account um, fixed? That's great. That's marvelous. Okay, so after class, really quick, if you'll come up, and we'll make an adjustment. And if you want to change back to the other email, if it doesn't let you do that, I want you to have the email that you want to check, you know, set up. So... um, That's good. This really was just to sort of get us in there and and get us posting, and uh, we're going to be talking about classroom blogs and and ways in which uh, teachers are using those to help their students write um, and also to be able to share and publish and collaborate as well. So I want to start with the video. I'm going to kind of just probably do that every single time, and I actually... Saw this video on uh, Classroom Teachers' website yesterday. Has anybody um, um, seen this one before? This is, I probably, I probably should say by introducing it, I am a fairly avid blogger, so my blog is Speed of Creativity, and so I'm, I'm sharing things at different times. And this is Nick Fujisic. And um, he's got a couple different websites. Life Without Limbs is one of his sites. And you know different people have Wikipedia articles about them. Uh, Nick does, and it says that he was actually uh, born uh, disabled, and um, after he attended college, uh, set up a nonprofit, and he's a motivational speaker. So video and media has a lot of power, and today what we're going to talk about as our main lesson is the idea of visual images and really how a lot of people abuse PowerPoint. Have you seen professors and instructors abuse PowerPoint? We've seen people abuse the overhead projector too, right? When somebody takes that slide that has 12-point font and, you know, you're looking at it, you know, you can't really read it very well. Um, So, I think this video, which is two minutes and 41 seconds long, is a good, um, perhaps, is, and we'll have you talk about it, you know, why might this be an example of the power of media? Thank you very much. to see you. My name is and It's a pleasure to with you. So I have no lips, but I have my little chicken. Thank
1: That is smart.
0: 60 seconds and talk to your neighbor about that video. Wow. It's the second time I've seen it but I'm still like... <laughs> <laughs> The Wikipedia article says that he was born without limbs, so it wasn't an accident. Mm -hmm. Right, no, and and it says that he was a normal child, normal person, you know, other than that. Um, Just a wild birth defect. Yeah. At
1: least Absolutely. Yeah. I mean I saw that yesterday and I was
0: like, okay, that kinda puts my life in perspective a little bit today. You know All right. Anybody want to share a comment or thought? Next time, I'm going to do little place, I forgot to do this, name tag, little place holders that we'll kind of put over our computers. And um, I'd want to get to you know all of your names this semester. So um, we don't have name tags and things like that. So if you answer a question, you can just say, say your name. But anybody want to have a have a comment on that? Who's seen that previously? How did how did somebody send that to you before? Did you? Uh-huh. On Facebook, you saw somebody share it. Okay. So two, two of us. Um... Any any comments about that? Put your life in perspective a little bit, you know? Having a tough day, well, it's not as tough as it could be. Anything else? I, I don't know how often you're, you get emotional. I don't get emotional that much. But, you know, I, that's like the second time I've seen it, third time. But how incredible to be able to have a short clip like that, you know, that brings a tear to your eye. Media is powerful. It's a tool, right? It can be used for good and for evil. I don't know if when you were in high school, you had cell phone sexting incidents happen, you know, where somebody took a picture and forwarded it to their boyfriend or girlfriend. And, ooh, guess what? You know, that it was all around school. Those kinds of things are happening a lot today. Um, We've got different examples of bad use of media. And my intent yesterday in having us talk about digital footprints wasn't to intimidate everybody, but it was to, ha- to have us think about how these things can last and other people can have access to some of those bits of information which we publish or which we don't. And to also get us thinking about how we're going to professionally put our best foot forward. This particular video has over half a million views, and we're going to, you know, be using YouTube and other videos throughout the semester. It's incredible to think did anybody bring a paper book today? I didn't bring my book, but did anybody bring one? You know, that was a revolution in 1450 when books were invented, and and monks weren't the ones that had to, you know, hand write. Manuscripts in order for somebody to see. It was a real revolution. Today, for somebody to be able to send us a video or just even say, hey, have you seen the YouTube video, da da da, and you Google it, that is really, really unbelievable. So um, we're going to start as, as we, we have already with a different video. And if you have, um, something you know that you want to share. We're not going to have a required blog assignment this week. Um, I just want everybody to get on the blog and to be able to post and comment. We're going to use this throughout the semester. But you can also use this to share things, and a YouTube video that you find that you think is you know worth sharing would, would be a great thing to be able to share there. That's not a requirement that you're going to have to do. But uh, I think that... We need to be using media a lot more in learn, you know, for learning in school. In most of our Oklahoma schools, and I don't know what the, the Texas statistic is, YouTube is blocked for everybody at the school. Now more of our schools are letting teachers have access at least and that's good because we should trust a teacher more than a kindergartner, right? I mean, you get to like send notes home to parents without the superintendent, you know, giving permission. So it was a professional thing to say we're trusted to be able to make good decisions and choices with you we We'll talk more about that but that's kind of the starting point there. The other thing that I'll uh, start with is um, a quick little, little application share and well, I'm just going come on, maybe it's not. Oh, that's going to be very... Yeah. Huh. I wonder if my iPad ran out of juice. Well, I'm sure you're never going to have this happen, are you? That best laid plans are going to... Go right. Well, we will uh, we'll see if we have time for that. I was what I was going to show you, and I'll see if I can figure out my iPad. Maybe I forgot to charge it. Um, I wanted to show you a um, a digital uh, newspaper application called Flipboard. So. I can get that back, back going. Um, in fact, why don't we do this, and we will give me a moment to troubleshoot this. Uh, we have flash drives. Who, anybody see the post about the flash drives? Yay! So this is very cool. Um, I'd like to say this is totally free, but actually you've already paid a considerable amount for this course and for your fees, and so um, you have actually already paid for this. But um, if you want to come up, um, go ahead and grab a flash drive. You get one, and then you'll also get a lanyard, which you can use, to so Keep a hold of it. come forward and you can grab your flash drive and see if I can get my iPad on. This is a two-gigabyte flash drive. And um, did anybody, has anyone bought one already? Did you what, what size did you end up getting? A two? Yeah. Two's probably going to be fine. It's kind of like digital cameras. Do you remember when a digital camera that was five megapixel was like a thousand dollars, you know? It's like, saw one person, oh my gosh, that camera. Now you can't buy one that's less than ten almost. We just bought a graduation, high school graduation present from my niece, and, you know, it was ten megapixel, twelve megapixel, you know, Nikon. It was, $100 is about what companies like to sell self, uh, digital cameras for. So this is an application called Flipboard, and this personifies or demonstrates to me this idea of a digital newspaper. You might have heard that maybe summer before last, the Rocky Mountain News in Colorado went out of business, and newspapers are scared today because, I mean, how many of you, like, read a, a paper-based newspaper, let's say other than the UNT paper, because i well, we can do both. How many of you just read a newspaper? Who reads a paper-based newspaper? How many people read the university's paper? some? Okay. I mean, that's a pretty small number. There's, you know, five or six of us. Um, I read news all the time, but I don't read it, you know, with paper. So Flipboard is an application that uh, runs on the iPad now, and it lets you subscribe to content. And as an example, um, I could click over here on the World News Channel, and it's going to load up different articles that have been shared under world news and I can flip through these and if I see one that I want to read um, so here's something about the Chilean miners that are trapped there I can have it get bigger and then I click this button that says read on the web and what it'll do is actually load up the web page for me to read this I still don't have my my UID yet, so I couldn't log into the wireless for the university. I'm sharing my iPhone's connection uh, for this to be able to load, so that's why it's loading a little bit slower than it would if we were on the on the network. But. Um, that's cool. All right. I can see different news articles that are there. But I think what's probably even cooler is I can look at my Facebook and my Twitter. So let's click here on Facebook. Now, of course, I have no idea what the people I follow on Facebook have shared. So there's a chance that we may be surprised here. I don't tend to follow folks that are going to share things that would be inappropriate in a school context. But one of the things that I love to do, both on Twitter and on Facebook, is to learn stuff. um, And, you know, a lot of times that's updates about people that I know, but sometimes it's about people I don't know, but people that um, I follow or follow me. And so um, here's an example of a group I follow called November Learning, and so they had this conversation with Richard Halkett, who was, I think, one of the speakers at this conference this year. But this is just a a visual way of taking this channel of information that is in that Facebook feed and being able to present it as, as what I would consider to be a digital newspaper. Um, we'll talk some about Twitter this semester. And there, there's a lot of folks that I follow on Twitter. But there are some which I would call my Yodas. Is anybody here a Star Wars fan? Anybody? So like Yoda was Luke's you know, mentor. Um, my friend Marco Torres, who's a uh, California educator, has, has used that term to say, Who are your Yodas? Because your Yoda doesn't just have to be the people in your class or the people in your school. Or the people in your family, you get to be influenced by folks who can be all over the world. So, Twitter, even more than Facebook for me, is an example of um, ways in which I can I can uh, literally flip through information that people are are sharing and just have a different way to experience that. So, that is um, that application is free. Obviously, iPads aren't free; they cost five hundred dollars. But the ability to do that is something that's going to become more common, which is processing information by, you know, going to a digital newspaper instead of going to a paper-based newspaper. So that's your little app share for the day. We are today going to talk about copyright-friendly pictures and visual literacy. And I didn't... Bring it up, but one of my one of the channels on the flipboard is just the photos of the day, and being able to see full-size, large images. Um, this is really not how PowerPoint or how a projector should be used, you know, to to show text. And so, um, we are going to to talk about this, and to do that, I'm going to link to our section here that says. Um, I, I I say Pachakucha. It's actually called Pachaca, and the um, the definition of Pachaca is basically a six minute and forty second uh, presentation. But to talk about why we need this, um, I'm going to show you this death by PowerPoint. Has any have any of you seen this before? Hey,
2: yep.
0: Anybody? Okay. some things I hate about PowerPoint. crowded,
2: wordy, and boring. You will lose your audience's attention before you even reach the bottom of your, uh... uh That's bullet pointing Only bullet key points Too many bullet points And your key messages will not stand out In fact, the term bullet point Comes from people firing Guns at annoying presenters That's the bullet point uh, Bad color schemes, not good Distraction, confusion, headache, nausea, vomiting, and loss of bladder control. <laughs> I can't stay on that one too long. Here's something I've noticed. Uh, the number of PowerPoint slides you have in your talk, uh, the less uh, useful your talk actually is. Unfortunately, uh, my presentation is right there. I've also noticed this: people love to pack data in their presentation. They shove more and more data thinking it's better, but it's not. The more data you have, the harder it is to read your slide, and the effectiveness plummets. Now, you can improve uh, the effectiveness by adding some shading and some 3D effects, and then some second-order and third-order effects. I know, let's add some labels. That'll help a lot. Sir. And that's, that's pretty much every marketing slide I've ever seen right there. media marketing standard going, it's real clear in Q4. What the hell are you talking about? Now, I'm into animation. People become animators in PowerPoint. You can have things flying all over the place, and that can be good. If you're a visual learner, that will improve the effectiveness of your performance. But if you're easily distracted, more animations and people have no idea what you're talking about. They're just, wow, that is cool, wow. There's regions here, by the way, there's the uh, simple but uh, effective region, there's the actively confusing, the uh, effective and boring, the active and ineffective, the dull but static region, the uh, busy because of the ADD only region, the uh, useful but amusing, the stupid but confusing, the dull triangle, the hyper triangle, the sleepy square, the dizzying pentagon, and everything else I just uh, call pointless motion.
1: That slide right there took me an hour and a half to make, right there. (laughs) PowerPoint, you just suck the life
2: out of your <laughs> I've also come up with this. It's kind of a little science of a called font analysis. Basically, the font you choose says something about who you are as a person. There's a huge list of fonts, and you choose one, and that says something about you. So be careful the font you choose. For example, if you choose Courier New, it happens to be my favorite. No, you're probably organized in structure. If you choose Matisse, it means you're artistic. And if you choose Times New Roman, it means you're lazy, apathetic, and unimaginative, and you always use the default. (laughs) A lot of Times New Roman people. Welcome. We got some more. Uh, You use freehand script. Uh, You're a horrible scroller, so you try to hide it with a hard to (laughs) read font. Read (laughs) font. You use Gothic, it means you're very pale and you wear (laughs) black. You choose when it means you're a nerd and you have no life. In fact, if you know what those
0: symbols mean, you will never have a date, trust me. No all right. <laughs> he makes a lot of really good points in that video. And all of the stuff that I'm sharing is linked on our site, right? Because I want you to not only have this experience in class, but, you know, have these to share. Because these may be things that you'll share with your kids. Obviously, there's the H-E-double hockey six word in that one. So, uh, anyway, that may that may be one that you pause when you get to that point if you're, you know, in a situation where you're not going to want to play that. But um, I think he makes a lot of really good effective points in that presentation. But he's not the only one. Um, this is a New York Times article from... Uh, uh, April the 26th. It's called "We Have Met the Enemy and He Is PowerPoint," and it is talking about our briefers in Iraq and Afghanistan and the military and how we've really gotten out of control with a lot of the things that he said. You know, that that's a slide, a PowerPoint diagram meant to portray the complexity of American strategy in Afghanistan. You know, that is not something that's easy to understand. Now, that also might communicate some things about. Where our strategy was at that point. This is a website called Presentation Zen. And there's a book called Presentation Zen by this author, Gar Reynolds, which is one of the best books I've ever read about presentations. And while I am teaching and love to teach, the, the main way I make money today is by actually sharing presentations with teachers in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. So trying to study good presentations and good presenters is a real passion of mine, and it's something that I would like to share with you. This is a, a post that Gar Reynolds put on his blog just the other day, and Uh, he's saying, a long time ago, before PowerPoint was invented, you know, we had great briefings. And he's showing um, General Dodonna from the first Star Wars, episode four, doing this briefing about the, the Death Star. Well, here's what it would have looked like, you know, if he was using bullet points and talking about the battle stations heavily shielded and, you know, they're motivational. May the force be with you on the slide. So what we are going to do is one of our Activities and one of our uh, grades for this semester, and I don't want you to panic. This isn't due to lock right? We're introducing this because we're going to have time, and I'm, we're going to be actually working on this today in class. Um, that is so weird. I don't know why. Has anybody else had this come up when you tried to look at the syllabus? That's weird. When you click available as a separate web page, there it, uh, there it is. But there's something weird going on with the Google Doc where it is not always showing up in that embedded form. Um, this is our first assignment that's listed is um, what's called your Pachaca. And I don't oh, necessarily, I even misspelled it here because I put an extra T in it, um, your assignment. Um, how many of you have given a PowerPoint of some kind for a class already? Okay. So the format here is going to be different, and we're going to share these presentations um, in class. And I might, um, and I'll just kind of see what you think. In fact, maybe I'll put a post up and see what your thoughts are. Um, You are not going to have to share this outside of the class, but if you're willing to do that, I'm I'm willing to consider extra credit for that. Um, So we'll talk about that. I don't have extra credit built in currently. But... On our website, I've got a couple different links that talk about um, Pachaca, which I'm having trouble saying that because I got used to saying Pachacucha for for a long time. Um, But better yet, let me just just show you, okay, rather than talk about it. I'm going to do a presentation that I actually just created last night and this morning. um, And you can pick just about whatever topic you want. Okay? In fact, I'd like you to pick a topic that you're passionate and interested about. Uh, it can be something that you want to learn more about, or it can just be something you already know a lot about. Sometimes when we ask students to do a writing assignment or a project, we ask them to do it where they're real shallow, like there's not a lot of knowledge, and then we get upset. What? Where, where's, the, where's the beef here? Where, you know, where's all the writing? So it's not to say we don't want to ask students to you know study new things and learn new things, but There's value in giving choice to the assignment if I would just tell you, hey, everybody's going to do your assignment on, you know, the history of the microchip. Would anybody be excited about that one? Maybe there'd be one, but I mean, probably not. Okay. but if I leave it open and I say, if you're not sure about it, um, you know, just think if you want a litmus test for is my topic appropriate. um, Think about, you know sharing it in class in the a, in, in a school. Is it something that you that you'd be able to share with kids? That might be that you want to take a topic that's a little bit controversial. I had a student uh, who wanted to do one on sex education in school. And so we talked about that and, and she did. it. Um, but uh, just talk with, with me about about the the uh, topic if you're interested. Here's how this is going to work. Um, not for like four weeks. I think the first one is going to be uh, September the 27th. We'll, we'll have four people per week. So we've got 24 in our class, and so we'll do this for six weeks. Four people per week go ahead and share their presentation. So what I'm going to show you how to do today is how to find pictures like this that are copyright friendly, that people have given permission for them to not only be used in class, but even to republish it on the Internet if you want to. You're not going to have to do that. And then I'm going to show you how to put them into PowerPoint um, to create this. So I'm going to go ahead and record this for myself, because uh, I'm going to go ahead and publish this one. What I have done on these slides, PowerPoint has a couple different ways that you can view your slides. And um, this view is called the slide sorter view. Um, in fact, I don't even know where there is view. They move everything around every once in a while. They confuse, you know, confuse us. So under view, you know, this might be the regular view. This is the slide sorter view. Here in the corners, I have um, just put put under transitions that I want to advance the slide after um, 20 seconds. And so, um, I'm actually going to start this presentation and just go and it'll be it'll be over in uh, basically six minutes and 40 seconds. I have a slide at the end. So here we go. Hi this is Wes Fryer and this is an example of a Pachaka presentation it's about why students need laptops now. The first reason is that textbooks are expensive. Even for our class I think textbooks cost something like you know $80 or something and um, it's just really expensive to get the knowledge, and when you look at a laptop and being able to access that uh, more affordably, that's a very good thing. Most eBooks now are about you know, half the price. They're heavy, too. Have have you seen elementary students going to class with, like, a luggage carrier, you know? I mean, they can't even do that on the back because they'll hurt their back if they have so many books. Um, I don't know if you have to be selective with how many books you leave home with and you need the book today in class because they're so heavy. You know, how many books can I fit in a laptop? Uh, Just a whole lot. Another reason is that history books are incomplete. This is a picture of Jim Thorpe in about 1913 playing baseball. Um, He's from Oklahoma. He's an uh, an Indian, Native American, uh, known as the greatest athlete of all times. I never learned about him in my textbook uh, because I didn't grow up in Oklahoma, but even if I had, I don't know if that part of history would have been in there. Another reason is that learning doesn't stop at 3.30 or 3 o'clock or whenever our class is over. Um, it, It can continue... Throughout the day. And when we have access to a laptop and we have access to information that is online and other places, it really extends our learning. Of course, a book does that, too. Right. A book lets me go learn wherever I want. Um, Another reason is that um, and I should have probably had my notes up here for this one. Um, we need to talk about equity and it being for everyone. Uh, education's global. These are women in Afghanistan. And if you know anything about the Taliban and their treatment of women and their view of education of women, this is extraordinary. Um, laptops are like pencils in the 21st century. Uh, we don't sit around at school today and go, oh Bobby didn't bring his pencil, so we're just not going to be able to use pencils today. You know, we say, oh, okay, you didn't bring your pencil. Well, we'll provide one. Here we go. Go to the sharpener. Let's get going. Let's learn. We, we take it as an assumption that it's provided and laptops need to be the same way. Um, we need to make learning a lot more project based. Uh, this is a picture of Marco Torres, who I said, uh, he's in the, in the back in the middle there with the glasses, who said the Yoda, talked about Yodas. Um, he's working with his students and they're creating things using media. Uh, we learn a lot more, a lot better and a lot more when we create stuff. Uh, now this picture I put in to symbolize poor. Um, schools are poor. Now, the particularly poor in Oklahoma, where I live, uh, we're, about, depending on your survey, 43rd or 48th in the nation in teacher salaries. Texas is a lot better off than Oklahoma paying teachers. But you might think, well, how could we afford laptops? Well, how can we afford not to when we spend, you know, $75, $100 per laptop, and then it takes five years to get new ones? If you look at those costs, you can actually uh, save money over time. Digital curriculum. This was a little drawing that somebody made at a conference in Canada this year, but when we create curriculum and we create things online, it can be shared quite easily. Uh, This image is meant to say media is powerful. We took a look at that video this morning to start off, basically saying, wow, look how powerful um, a short two and a half minute video clip can be. If I want to communicate with you, my brain is going to process an image thousands of times faster than text. Um, If you're at school, you've already got a lot of students in other educational settings with laptops. This is a photograph a couple years ago at the University of Missouri's School of Journalism, and it was a staged picture, but... You know, competitors, education is taking all kinds of forms. We've got people in home schools, people um, in private schools, and and people are making this move even if your school isn't now. Um, How about creativity? Uh, Creativity is important, and not every student is going to learn the same way and is going to get knowledge and information the same way. So by providing technology for each student, we can give them more options to do that. Um, What's the number one reason kids drop out of school? Does anybody know? It's boredom. I'm not doing good wait time for that question, but I'm under the clock. Uh, You know, schools are boring for a lot of kids. They're not challenging. We need to provide challenges to kids. We, We need students to understand that learning isn't just about what we do in class. It's also about learning... You know, the things that you want to do for the things you're passionate about. Um, I have this picture of Google Earth to show hyperlinks. Being able to connect our ideas to other people's ideas in other parts of the world is really an incredible thing. You've grown up with the Internet to a much greater degree than I did, but we still shouldn't take it for granted. Um, This is my creativity slide. It's really important that we get creative and that we encourage kids to be creative. The days of, hey, we're all just going to go to the factory and you're going to have that same job for 30 years and do the same thing and it's just going to be repetitive, that's pretty much over. We've got a lot of manufacturing jobs still here, but even more overseas. So speaking of overseas, this is a picture of kids in Hong Kong at a school called Discovery College. And I want to make the point that this isn't something just for the kids at private school, the ones who can afford it. This should be for everybody. And schools that are taking a look at at their costs, um, as well as the kinds of skills they want, are, are realizing this. Would you not love to be able to look out your window and see that? That's Apollo, uh, Apollo mission, I think, in 1973. That was a NASA image. That's North America, and that's Baja, California, that's over there on the, on the um, western side of North America. We need better windows into our classroom. And when we use technology, it gives us a chance to do that, to provide that better window. And from a sort of civic standpoint, social studies, government standpoint, we need critical thinkers. Nobody in school probably ever told you, just look at one source and believe it. You know, you just need one book. Wikipedia puts that in your face because you know, is something that different people can edit and different people can change. So the last reason is our kids deserve it. These are my kids on a Saturday morning. Uh, we've got some laptops in our house. But my kids shouldn't have to just get this access at home. They should have this kind of access at school too. And in order to do that, we're going to need to have leaders in our schools and in our communities that recognize these reasons. So these are... The places where I got those pictures this morning when I put that together. And what we're going to learn how to do today is how to create a presentation like that. Ta-da! Let's start. Talk about that presentation format with, with your neighbor. I'm going to give you a minute and 30 seconds to do that. Talk about that style of a PowerPoint compared to other PowerPoints that you've seen or you've done yourself. Okay? Yep. A minute 30. Go.
1: It's like all the text you're not seeing, they're trying to read while they're trying to speak. So, by the time you're done reading, you're catching up halfway through what they're saying. So, you can kind of just look at the same time. So, it makes it a lot easier to focus. But the pictures are so vibrant and so pretty. So, it gives you just one middle image to work throughout the screen instead of just like trying I don't know, when there's just you're like trying to be like five things six at one time it's just like a very special way of doing
0: it. Right. And it's kind of interesting to think about the brain in that way. You know, our brains are so powerful, so complex and we can multitask, but whether or not that's good for attending to a message just like that video show. People are like biology mind.
1: Biology me. going in there and watching the slides and yeah. it's like, okay, I'm done out like right so it's already hard enough
0: when your brain and then trying to do five minutes right well the other thing i like about it is it makes you go quickly i mean it, it you can't i mean i could speak about that topic for an hour right but i've got to do it in 6 minutes so i think our brains are wired to be like shorter attention span and so this forces you into a quicker mode and it also makes you decide okay what am i going to say in 20 seconds you know about that one okay comments or thoughts yeah i don't don't think you're going to have to do that you know i'm I, like i said I, this is i did speech and debate in college and I, I tell people with all seriousness, I get to do extemporaneous speaking now with just more prep time and multimedia. And I get paid to do it. That's kind of like what it is, speaking. So, yeah, don't feel... In fact, I will show you on the blog some of the ones that uh, students did last semester. And some people, they, they did read, you know. Um, that's fine. You, you do not have to... I don't want you guys to all go drop the course because you're like, there's no way I can do a presentation like Wes just did. Um, it's really a, just about anything because what I want for this, pre, this uh, activity is for you to learn how to get the images just like I was showing you. Large resolution, not grainy, you know, small, but, but powerful images that complement what you're speaking to. And... Um, just to have the practice of putting together the presentation and then sharing it. So, you know, you wouldn't tell your kids in class, hey, anything's good, you know, do any presentation. There, there are gonna be limits and boundaries to what we're going to, to do. Um, if you have a question about your topic, you're like, is this okay? Is this gonna be pushing the edge too much? Um, talk to me and, and we'll visit about it. But you're, you're basically open. I mean, we had folks share about, you know, their summer when they were at camp and uh, um, the camp that they went to and, and that they'd worked out of that that they loved. Um, we had several people talk about uh, obesity, you know, as a problem in our uh, society and needing to be active and exercise. Um, I'm trying to think of the other topics, but it's pretty open. And
1: this is it doesn't
0: have to be pitching an idea right this was actually set up as a persuasive kind of thing I want to convince you in you know six minutes um, it can be informational the thing that's really challenging about this I think is you got to decide what am I going to say in 20 seconds you know in many ways it's easier to write a long paper to say here you're going to do a you know three page paper four page paper you know I mean, it depends. Some of you may be like, no, I hate that. But when you've re- got to make that decision about what's most important when you've got a short amount of time. H- has anybody made a video, like a 30-second public service announcement video or done something like that for a class before? That's really hard. We see advertisements all the time. Like, do anybody like Super Bowl ads this year? I mean, sometimes watch the Super Bowl. I do like the Super Bowl, but the ads are sometimes the best part of it. Um, they pay millions of dollars for folks to come up with that to in 30 seconds, you know, impact millions of people. It's hard. To, it's hard to make those decisions about what to say in a short time. Other thoughts about this? Comments or questions? Yes, How many slides does it have to be? it's 20 slides long, so it's a 20 by 20, um, 20 seconds per slide and. I actually did 22 slides because I put a title slide on there, and then at the very end I put my slide my uh, my sources. So um, it's really important when we save the picture to get that address right. If you don't save it at the time, it's be almost impossible sometimes to go back and find it. So that's what we're going to practice today. I've got a handout, and we're going to spend time, you know, practicing how. How to do that. What do you think about this kind of a presentation style as far as your brain? Like, did your brain like this or not like this? Or how how do you think this was different than having a lot of text on there or a longer presentation? Why would you say that? I don't know. I think I'm still. Right, right. Well, I mean, a a good picture, really, your brain starts doing stuff with it, right? I didn't get to say this in the presentation, but there's a good book called Visual Literacy, and I'll, I'll, I'll link it if I don't have it yet, by a woman named Linnell Burmark. And... In it, she talks about our uh, brains and how many connections there are between our eyes and our ears. We've got about three to four thousand neurons that connect our ears to our brains, and about thirty to forty thousand that connect our eye. So your eye can get so much information so quickly. Nobody tells you where to start with this picture. Okay. When I put text on the screen, um, does anybody read another language besides English? If I was reading Mandarin Chinese, what, where would I start when I'm reading? I wouldn't start in the top or left. I'd start at the right. Yeah, I go right to left, top to bottom. Okay. Being English readers, we'll probably start in the top. You know, go in left to right, working our way down the page. That is not the case with a picture. Nobody tells you where to start, and your brain does things with that picture, or can do things with that picture. That you know the person may or may not be be saying. You know I was wondering who this dude is on the right, <laughs> you know with that hat on when I saw this. This is from the Library of Congress. They have a Flickr site and um, they've got a lot of pictures that they've they've shared like that. Any other thoughts or comments about? Okay, so if I was going to ask you today, where do you go to get pictures, where, where would you say, where would you go search? Google. Google, of course, we go to our friend Google, and Google Images is pretty amazing. But one of the difficulties about using Google Images is uh, when it comes to, the, to whether we have the right to use those pictures or not. And so on our, our page, talking about our copyright-friendly pictures... Um, I've got a link to this, this workshop. This is actually a, a workshop that I do for teachers called um, Talk with Media. And I'm not going to play this first picture or this first thing that says the, well, I'm not going to play the whole thing. Let me just, I'll play a little bit of it. I'm going to click it and then click it again. And what that does is that opens it up in YouTube. I'm going to start to let it buffer and load. And then I'm going to go full screen with this. Uh, We're not going to watch this whole video. The gist of this video is teachers are scared. They are not sure about copyright. What can I do? And in a lot of cases, they're not letting students use images to create media, and they may not be using them themselves to create media. So we'll watch like a minute of this. them and explain the times now they're basically giving a definition for another
1: point of view to
2: them it's their
1: identity it's their friendships it's their social spirit their
0: connection to culture if i can't bring that in and i can't help them analyze their place in culture and imagine where they might want to be in culture so i'm going to pause it there um The the advice that I'm going to give you, and that I probably have as as a mission to share with teachers in a lot of different places, is the following. When we're going to try and use pictures, we're going to try and go in this order. What do you think I mean by homegrown images? Any idea about that? Yep, it's your camera. How many of you have a digital camera? Okay. How many have a digital camera on their cell phone? Right, so most of your kids probably will too. Now, can I do anything I want to with any picture that I take? Well, you've got a Mickey Mouse shirt on, and I take a picture of Mickey. Can I go take that picture and have a PTA fundraiser and sell those shirts? Disney wouldn't like that. And that's a well-known sort of, it's not an urban legend, it's happened. But Disney has actually filed suit against some teachers in some schools because they protected their copyrights. They said, no, you can't sell that shirt with, with Mickey Mouse. That's ours. We own that copyright. There are limits to what you can do. However, you know, if your grandmother has a shoebox of old photos and, you know, you want to uh, share some history about you know, your, your town and you ask grandma, hey, is it OK if we share these pictures, if I, you know, scan them or take pictures of them? Sure, that's fine. You know, if you want to take pictures, you know, of the university, I took a couple pictures today when I was walking from the, uh, the GAB in the bus. You know, I can I can share those pictures. I can do things with them. It's out in public. Um, does anybody know what public domain means? Have you heard that term before? That means everybody owns it, and NASA pictures are an example, okay? Every picture that's ever been taken by the by the space program, we paid for as citizens, and all of those things are public domain. They're owned by everybody. So that's the first place to look, if you can find pictures there. The second thing to look for is Creative Commons. We're going to uh, talk about that today and see a quick video that discusses it, and then I'm going to give you at least 15 minutes um, for us to practice uh, doing what I... Did today to put that presentation together, to go to places where folks have, have shared those kinds of pictures. Um, let me give you an example. So, on the website Flickr, there's lots of different people like me who share the pictures that they take um, on this website. And when I share a picture, here's a picture of one of my classmates who's far more of a stud than me. This is Vern Conway. He's uh, actually deployed right now some, to a classified location somewhere in East Asia. Um, that was the hamburger joint that we went to a couple weeks ago. Um, when I share this picture, I, I should say that other people can use it, and there's a license that's on that image. So that if I want to find pictures of something, I can actually search the Flickr site for Creative Commons, and you know, there's 21 million pictures that people have said, just give me credit if you want to use that picture. And I can search in here and find pictures that I can use. All right? That's what Creative Commons is. I'm, I'm talking too much. Let me show you a video that will talk about this, and then I'm going to show you how we can um, do this ourselves.
3: rivaled only by a handful of corporate giants and global superstars, the Big Copyright C. Everyone knows what Big C stands for. Big C means all rights reserved. Big C means ask permission. Big C protects copyright owners and notifies the rest of us of their ownership. The time was when you had to put Big C on any wanted than copyright or else it entered the public domain. The commons of information, where nothing is owned and all is permitted. You had to put the world on notice to warn them. That was C's job, and it was a useful one. What changed? The law. By the late 1980s, U.S. law had changed so that works become copyrighted automatically the moment they're made. The moment you hit save on that research paper, the second shut it snaps closed, instant you let your pen from that cocktail napkin doodle, your creation is copyrighted, whether big C makes a cameo or not. So suddenly, there's no quick way of knowing whether something's owned or not. The new rules may be clear about how you get to own work. You don't have to do anything, but they say nothing at all about how you should go about announcing that you want to allow certain uses of your work. So what? Well, if you're a digital filmmaker whose every frame must be cleared by an army of lawyers before making a cut, or if you're in a band whose label won't let you put a song on a file-sharing network, or if you're a professor trying to put together online course materials, or if you're a DJ chasing down permission to use every snippet of a song in your sonic collage, if you're one of these people, then you know so what. We interrupt this brainstorm to call the lawyers. You drop what you're doing and call all the lawyers. You ask for permission, even to do the work the author doesn't mind if you use it, because you have no idea what the author's intent is. You ask for permission, even to share some of your rights. Oh, okay, so or you venture forward unsure what your risks and rights are exactly. Or, in a haze of legal doubt, you do nothing. The bottom line, Big C is out of the job. The little men are not. Enter Creative Commons. Creative Commons wanted to find an easy way to help people tell the world up front that they want to allow some uses of their work. We called the experts, the U.S. Copyright Office, for advice. Their response? There's no real answer. Get creative. So we got to create How? Our CC brand marks works that are governed by Creative Commons licenses, a set of standardized copyright licenses available free of charge on our website. We wrote these licenses so that lawyers and courts could read them. Then we translated them into the language you can read. And then we translated them into language computers can read. Now, CC isn't meant to compete It allows you to retain your copyright while granting you permission to make certain uses of it upon certain conditions. If the big C is like a red light, then CC is a green light. If the big C says no trespassing, the double C says please come in. If the big C says all rights reserved, CC says some rights reserved. So you can use the powers of the net find works free to share and build upon, it. and to invite other people to transform or trade yours so that you can get creative, not only with what you make, but how you make it available, so you can collaborate across space and time. so you can be a co-author with someone you've never met, so you can stand on the shoulders of your peers, all without asking permission, because permission has already been granted. Creative Commons, Get
0: creative. It's easy when you skip the intermediate. All right. That was like the longest video I may show this year. That's a six-minute a six minute video. Here's the bottom line. I didn't take all these pictures. Other people did. But they gave me permission to use them, and that's what I'm going to show you how to do right now. So, if you will go in your web browser to the website, I'll go ahead and put this on um, What's changed all their stuff? So you're going to go to the website Compfight, C-O-M-P-F-I-G-H-T. Is that a test? All right. I'm trying to make it large, but go to compfight.com. There are different websites that you can go to in order to do image searches. And what I'm going to describe and show for you, I've actually created a a recording, a screencast that's on our page. That's a tutorial, so I'm not expecting you to just get everything when I show it to you one time. First important thing, at the very top of the page, do you see where it says Creative Commons? And it's off. I want you to click on that until you see it say Creative Commons only. And it is going to only come get Creative Commons images. Now, a word of caution. Is there any guarantee when I do a live image search on the web about what I may or may not get in terms of how appropriate it is? Does anybody know? No, there's not. Okay. Another thing that is on, and I would encourage you to leave it on, is called um, safe search. I'm going to put the word pencils in here, and I'm going to search for pencils. I did this search before class. I hope this is going to be fine. Ah, look at that. It's fine. Um, You know, could you get surprised? I mean, if you put in the word bikini, I'm sure you're going to see, you know, bikini-clad people. Um, So there's a difference in schools between a student intentionally going out to try to find something inappropriate and accidentally stumbling upon something. So I'm going to give you a word of caution that all all image search sites that I'm aware of have an element of risk because you're not exactly sure what you're going to find. I mean, that's the, that's the heart of search. But having safe search on is, is pretty good, and I rarely you know, stumble across something that wouldn't be appropriate to show in school. Um, that's not to say you couldn't find something. In fact, I'm sure you could if you, you know, wanted, wanted to go out and, and do that kind of a search. All of these pictures that you see on the screen about pencils are Creative Commons licensed. And so, when I mouse over, um, I think, or yeah, a lot of these, maybe not all of them, actually have the number of pixels um, that that picture is. So, on whatever image that you have searched for, you don't have to do the pencil search. You can do something else. Go ahead and click on the on the picture. And what I want to show you is that photos that are being shared here on Flickr are shared, the Creative Commons ones, with different sizes, okay? So when you click on the picture under Actions, there's a little link that says View All Sizes. And so you can click that. By the way, I have a handout that's also on our site that does step-by-step, that goes through that, and I'll show you where that is. I didn't print that out for you, but you can certainly print that and refer to it. Here are all the sizes of that picture, okay? What would be the problem with me getting this small 240 by 120 picture and putting it in my PowerPoint? Yep, it's going to get blurry. So let me do it. I'm going to just put it in here. I'm going to paste that picture in, and then I'm going to stretch it to make it big. Oh, look at that. That looks pretty crummy, right? So if I got the original, wow, look at that, 3,068. That, That might even be overkill, okay? 1024 is probably fine. But what I want you to do is instead of getting that really poor, poor resolution um, image, get the large one and look at the difference here. Okay? Here's image one. Oops. I guess I can't do it from the start since I did my fancy thing. But there's, there's the, you know, the stretched version and then here's the, the high resolution version. So... How do I save that picture so that I can make my presentation? Anybody have an idea? That's right. Right click. When in doubt, right click. Think about this like we're just off to gather flowers or we're off to the grocery store to fill our basket with groceries. We want to get one basket that we're going to put all our stuff in. Because if we scatter it out all over our computer, it's going to be confusing. Okay? So, I want you to right-click the picture. Again, in order to get to this, um, I clicked on Show All Sizes or View All Sizes. That's a link that's just below. Not all pictures on Flickr are Creative Commons licensed, and not all will have that choice. But Creative Commons ones will. So, what choice do you think I want to do here? I can view it, copy it, save it. What do you think I want to do? If you're building your PowerPoint right now, you could choose copy. Okay? I would recommend that you go ahead and save it. And the reason is you will be able to put all of these pictures into PowerPoint in a presentation just like this in less than 20 seconds. Because PowerPoint has a thing that says, make me a slideshow with that folder. So what I'll recommend that you do is you go ahead and save. The other reason is it's probably going to take you several sessions of sitting down at the computer to get your pictures. Because your process here is not going to be, okay, let me go look for pictures. Your process is going to be first, I got to think about what I want to say, right? This is what I decided to talk about. I did my little presentation. I outlined it. Those, those were the points I was going to try and make. Okay? That's really the first thing you've got to do, is decide what you're going to say. Then, you'll find pictures that help you say that. So, when I click save a picture, what do I do now? When I, after I say save, save image as... Yeah, i got to make a decision. And this is really a fundamental, basic thing, but you're reading for next time. We don't meet, obviously, Labor Day, so we'll not see each other until a week from now on next Wednesday. Um, is a chapter of a book I've written called, which is not published yet, it's called Redefining the Beginner, and there's some beginning stuff that we've got to talk about. Don't assume your kids know this. You've got to decide, make two decisions every time you save something. What are the decisions? We said location, and what's the other decision? What's your name it, right? Where would be a good place to save this file today, you think, to make it easy to get to? Probably desktop or pictures, okay? I'm going to say desktop because I'm going to need to take my stuff with me on my flash drive, right? And the desktop's a fast place to be able to copy it over. But the point is, you decide where to put it, and now you create A folder there to put your stuff. Think about this as your grocery cart, as your your basket. You're going to put your pictures inside your folder. There is an icon where, I don't know if you all are used to this, but this is a new version of Windows, right? This is like Windows 7. They just set this whole lab up. So there's a few things that are moved around. But there's a button at the top that says New Folder. So we'll give it a name. We'll call it Images. Just about every Flickr picture is going to have a series of digits and letters that isn't going to make any sense at all. What do you think would be a good title for this picture? Pencils. Pencils. And as a technique, I'm going to put 01 in front of it and call it pencils just because that will make my images all order, you know, be in order if I want to do that. Do you have to do that? No. But I would definitely change the name so that you get... um, so that you get uh, an idea of what that image is by looking at the file name. Okay? That same process, you will repeat um, for the other images that you want. Now, do you have to use CompFight? I didn't mean to do that. I meant to say lightning. Do you have to use CompFight to get all of your pictures? No. But I want you to... Practice and experience using, this is incredible, I just love weather. I almost majored in meteorology. If I had not gone to the Air Force Academy, I would have gone at least, well, I probably would have gone to the University of Northern Colorado and studied meteorology. So, Oh my gosh, does anybody know how they took that picture? There was not that many lightning strikes at once. Do you know how they do that? Uh, Very good. Set up a tripod and then have a long shutter duration. In fact, they may use the bulb setting on their camera that so you lock it open. But I, I didn't realize this, but you can even with uh, some digital cameras do like a 15-second or a 20-second exposure. So if you do that at the peak time of the storm and you've got your camera on a tripod, anyway, that's a pretty remarkable picture. So I want you to use CompFight uh, because it is... A very rich resource. I mean, there's literally millions and millions of pictures that are available here. Um, But you know what? If you're doing a presentation and it's about Walt Disney World and you're going to need, you know, you you need to use a picture that, you know, is copyrighted, can you do that? Uh, It's probably going to be fine. But I want you, we'll talk some more about fair use, but I want you to at least get some of your images um, using Creative Commons and using Compfight. Okay. Well, I want to give you some practice time because that's one of the things that is uh, we don't do enough of. Is like I heard a San Antonio principal, principal say, "Letting go of the chalk." You know, here it's your time to work. Um, I want you to go ahead and, and take a little bit of time to um, practice with comp Fight and practice saving pictures in a folder. Feel free to help your neighbor out. Ask for a question. I'll kind of wander around a little bit and assist. And at the end of the period, just before we're done, um, I'm going to uh, tell you how we're going to sign up for times, because we're going to let you sign up for times, which some of you may have already seen before, I'll mention that at the end, as well as answer questions. And actually, before I start, I just want to wrap up. does anybody want to ask a question about, about this process? And this assignment is not due till October. Do not panic, you know. If you're thinking about, oh my gosh, he just he went so fast, and I didn't get any of that. The steps about how to do this are actually right. Oh, that's not fucking tough. Right. Um, I will switch off that. I actually recorded, and this is at the bottom. At the bottom of our of the of the Pachaka page, um, there's a tutorial.
1: Huh.
0: I have just blown up the projector. Too many media images. It wanted more text. At the bottom of this page, it says Tutorials, and um, this is the handout. There's a one-page handout that I made that you're welcome to print, which gives you step-by-step instructions about how to, how to click. There's just one little difference that they've made in, in where it, the all sizes are. And then here's even a five-minute recording. One of the other things I'm going to teach you how to do this semester is how to make a recording like this. takes you step by step through what I just did, so. I know you don't know your topic, so, you know, just, you can pick, you know, that's probably a good idea, um, in fact, that'll be a good thing to brainstorm, um, like, a topic might be your, your favorite uh, book to share with students, okay? Um, your favorite subject to teach. Like, we all, like, I like social studies, but there's different, different things, like meteorology and weather. I mean, if I could teach about severe weather, that's something that I would enjoy teaching about. Um, so, what we'll do is I'll, I'll start a... Um, uh, a Google document that we can brainstorm together and we'll do some other topics. Does anybody have a topic in mind of something they're thinking about that they might want to do? Mm hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Because, like, something like that, you could actually use, right? And it can be in your portfolio as something that you would want people to see about you. So do you have to do that? No, absolutely. You don't even have to share this presentation with anybody outside of this class. But if there's a way, and I mean, you could do something for another class too. You mentioned biology and and you love biology. Do you have any biology classes this semester that you're doing? Uh, So maybe there's something that you're doing for another class that you're already doing research about and you're learning about, but you're not going to present it in that way for class, you know feel free to pick that kind of a topic. Did somebody else have an idea? Did you have a thought? Uh Uh-huh. Good. Um, You know, something else to think about might be, you know, if you could change anything about your school, what would you change? You know, um... That might be something, you know, thinking about your high school. It might be something thinking about here. Um, We will subject each other to our own presentations. You know, I mean, we're going to, we'll share them here. So, uh, again, pick something that you have interest in, that you want to do. If it's something that you can think of, like your teaching philosophy or, you know, something like that that would be, you know, could become part of your portfolio. Then, then that's awesome, but you you don't have to. And I'm glad you asked the question about topics because teaching writing is my favorite thing to teach. So I started to be a fourth grade teacher. That's what I did first, and um, just I think it's really important that we practice writing a lot. Uh, we usually don't consider somebody literate if they only read but can't write. Um, it, writing is um, it, it, it's really important and. Definitely, I found this with my own students, both young and older, (laughs) is that when you have the assignment too open and too unbounded, sometimes it's like, ah, you know, give me some structure. So I'll I'll provide um, some different ideas, and maybe on that brainstorm document, if any of you um, want to. In fact, that might not be a bad post. It won't be one we'll require for this week, but if you want to share anything about your topic, what you're thinking about, One of the good things about having a classroom blog is that it gives us a chance to have feedback and to be able to comment on what we've done. You all are going to have questions and wonder things. and. (laughs) It's not all going to happen in class. (laughs) You know, it's going to happen at other times. I live in Oklahoma. I'm only here two nights a week. So it's going to be a very good thing for us to have that communication channel. And if you just got some ideas or you're struggling or whatever, use your blog. Your blog is, um, there's a grade that goes with your reflections that you're going to have. Basically participating and, you know, giving your best effort in, you know, doing a reflection and things like that—that that it's a, it's more of a participation grade than it is a quality grade as far as your your blog. So use it in that way, and I will use it too, just like I did with the flash drives to let you know that's coming. Um, you know, I will not like post ten things a week in there. I'm, I mean, i just may share one thing. But any other questions about Compfight or? Have you, has anybody seen that site before? Okay. Can you see how that might be useful in your other classes as you're doing it? And I hope this style of presentation is something that you do you know, share with others, too, because honestly, Gar Reynolds, the guy who does presentations in, he sees it as a mission. You know, he wants to help change the world's way of doing presentations. And so there's a lot of value to that. All right, last thing, and then we're going to be out of here. Um, on your schedule. You will notice, no class Monday. Yay! Um, Next week, it says interactive quiz. Don't panic. We're going to just do a Jeopardy game. I'm going to set up a Jeopardy, and there are... Uh, different things in this chapter I want you to read in the same chapter. It's not too long. Um, about tab browsing, about setting up accounts, about you know some different things. It's just really foundational skills, and I want to show you um, how we can use a, an interactive Jeopardy PowerPoint. And um, anyway, we're going to do that next time. So read that chapter for next time. That and it's online. You're going to link to it, and it is going to. Wow, isn't that great? Can't even see it. Um, I will fix this uh, because this is this is just a Google document. And I will fix it at the top so that it gives the, it, it gives the same access that we have to our um, to our syllabus. OK, last thing is how to sign up at the top of the Pachaka assignment. It says, please sign up for a Pachaka presentation date on this Google presentation. So, or, well, that's not a, it's a Google spreadsheet. Um, that sign up is on the Pachaka assignment. So, when you go to um, our page, okay, here, here we are on our, on our site. When you click on our assignment for Pachaka, or it's underneath Assignments too, it says Pachaka, um, it says right under the, underneath, please sign up for a presentation on this Google spreadsheet. This is a shared spreadsheet that lets anybody edit it. In fact, you can see people going in there live right now to put, put their name in. So uh, please go ahead and sign up. Please do not delete anybody else's name or move someone else's name because it actually is set up where any of us can edit anything. Um, but those will, those will start on September 27th, and we'll have four people um, per class and if something happens and you can't do it that time or whatever you know we can have some of these that will go later but that will that'll take about 30 minutes of our class um, that we'll do I can uh, it's at the did you, get, did you see it at what you clicked Pachaka alright have a great three day weekend if you needed something on your blog uh, we needed a change or whatever just come on up and I'll help